You are listening to the First Baptist Jinx podcast. To learn more about FBC Jinx, including our gathering times, visit us online at fbcjinx.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Cody Brumley. Merry Christmas, First Baptist Jinx family and friends. Uh, Why don't you just look at someone beside you and tell them Merry Christmas. They're going to like you mean it. Yes. Merry Christmas. That's what we're here for. This is so good. I've been looking forward to so much about the Christmas season. As I'm sure many of you are as well. Uh, I do see a lot of kids in the room, even our preschoolers. I'm so thankful that our preschool workers are often serving this hour, get to be in here with us. Um, And so kids, this is a question, uh, not just for you, it's for, for everybody. But when you think of something you're looking forward to, like coming up next, like in the next day or so, I just want to hear from everybody. Tell me something that you're really looking forward to on the count of three. One, two, three, go. <laughs> Jesus' birthday says my middle child, my youngest says presents. That was, I could distinctly hear. Um, I, presents is one of those things. And I know when I hear the word presents, we're talking about just being present together. We're looking forward to the just presence with one another. You know, I just saw a kid shake their head no at me. That's wrong. That's wrong, Pastor Cody. You're incorrect. Uh, no, pre- presents. We, we mean things like this, right? We, we mean a gift, right? This is what a lot of people are looking forward to. And it's okay. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I have the gift of receiving. I am great. I'm great at receiving. And so uh, uh, it's necessary to have that happen. And we're excited. I don't know what your traditions look like in your homes and things like that. We do have a Christmas tree. And right now, any of our kids can look under that tree and they can find a present with their name on it. Uh, And and we celebrated this a little while back. I remember the day that we got some of our gifts under there and the kids got home and my youngest like sprinted towards a tree and he did the like a Michael J. Fox uh, Back to the Future slide into it. And he went, presents! And I was like, yeah, so we celebrated the arrival of those presents. Imagine if tomorrow I were to take this to my very excited son who was so glad that the present arrived. And I said, oh, look, this, here, like, here's your present. By the way, kids, you see these around the church? Nothing inside them, okay? I, I want to just tell you now, in case you felt any temptation, empty. So, but imagine I take the gift for him, and I'm like, are you so glad this arrived? And he says, yes, I'm so glad. It's, do you think it'll be wonderful? He says, yes. I said, good. I'm now going to take this, and I'm just going to go ahead and put it back in the attic, and then we'll bring it out next year, and it'll arrive again. And it's not like I got him a pet or anything, so don't, like, worry. But, like, so imagine I do that. Do any of you think that is going to be a satisfactory Christmas for him? No. Not a chance. There might be a scuffle involved. Why? Because a gift is meant to be received. It's meant to be experienced. It's meant to be enjoyed. It's great when they arrive, but that's not the point of a gift. The point of a gift is to be completely received. Now that's why today in our text, we're actually not going to be looking at the nativity story. Luke chapter 2. If you were with us last week, you know we've been walking through the book of Luke as a church. And we looked at that beautiful story last week. When Mary and Joseph, they're led to to Bethlehem, and the time comes for her to give birth, and she gives birth to a son, just like the angel said. She wraps him in swaddling clothes, and she lies him in a manger, a feeding trough of all places, because there was no room for them in the inn. 
And last week we said this could seem absurd as if God forgot about them and forgot about his promise to them except these shepherds around the corner. And the shepherds see the baby lying in the manger and they say, God is at work. The earthly narrative may seem grim, but the heavenly story, that's what matters. This is the Savior. That's what we looked at last week. And it's great that the gift of God has arrived. It's what we celebrate every Christmas. But there's a possibility that you might celebrate this every Christmas and then you just take the gift of Jesus and you box him back up and you just put him away. And you never fully experience the joy of receiving Jesus. So we're going to look at the story that comes right after the nativity. A man named Simeon, a man who receives the gift of Jesus for all that he is. It's found in Luke 2, starting in verse 22. When the time came for their purification, and they, is, uh, this is Joseph and Mary, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So this is our setting for the story. The setting takes place roughly 40 days after Jesus' birth. About, um, there's seven days that Mary, according to the law, would be impure and then she'd be purified and then they would name Jesus on the eighth day, the name given by the angel, Jesus. And then you have about 32 days after that, according to the book of Leviticus, they would then go through a purification rite for Mary. While they did this, according to the book of Exodus, they're going to dedicate Jesus to the Lord because he was the first male to be born in their family. And we see this carried out in 1 Samuel as well, this picture of presenting to say, all right, God, this, is, this child is for your service. What's important is that we see Mary and Joseph have godly priorities, that's what led them to this moment. They prioritize godliness in their life. Parents, this should be an incredible encouragement to you. The fact that they're giving two birds as their offering shows that they weren't a family of wealth. If they were wealthy, they would have given a lamb. But if you don't have enough for that, it, then you can give two birds according to the law. And so we know that they, they don't have a lot of material gain to offer. And whether you can offer your children material comfort or not is inconsequential in the kingdom. We can all offer what matters most, godly priorities in our home. And so that's what Mary and Joseph do. They prioritize godliness. They don't give up on the law and they show up. Now, as they arrive, somebody else arrives at the same time. Verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Here's our Christmas kid. Here's Simeon. Simeon had been promised he was going to get to see the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the king, the savior, the, the person the whole Old Testament has been preparing for. He was going to get to see him. Simeon was living with that anticipation that that gift, I'm going to get to see it one day. And so for him, it was a promise that brought him to this moment. 
For the parents, godly priorities. For him, a godly promise. He was hanging on to a promise that God had gave him day after day, month after month, maybe even year after year, knowing God's gonna make good on his word. And that's what drove his life. It's worth noting, by the way, if you're not used to the Christian faith, the combination of God's promise and God's spirit. So God gave him his word, and then the spirit moved in Simeon to take him to where he needed to be to experience God. That's how God moves us through his word and through his spirit. And God uses that to bring him to the right place. But they're not the only people that show up. There's one more person I want to point out. Skip down to verse 36. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. Now, the Greek makes some of this math difficult, so it might be that she's 84 years old now, or it could be that she's been a a widow for 84 years, putting her just over 100, most likely. Either way, what we know for sure, her life, the majority of her life has been marked by loss. She's lived as a widow for most of it. So how did she live in this loss she experienced? The rest of verse 37 says, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him, that is Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. She has these practices in her life. She devoted her life to worshiping and praying and fasting. That's where you're gonna find her every single day. By the way, one of the things I love about our church family is we have some Annas in this church family. We have some amazing women whose life has been marked by being widowed and they spend their days worshiping the Lord and praying and fasting and they are faithfully here and they bolster my faith. It's why I love this whole picture actually, that here is the widow, here is the, the elder man who's expecting God to show up and here's a young couple that's just walking with a newborn and they all meet together and these, this older generation says, God is at work and we see it in you. We experience that at First Baptist Jeeks every week. I've experienced it in my own family, walking up as a young married couple at one point, then raising kids here and having other generations pour into us. That is the gift of church. And so if you don't know that, if you don't belong to an intergenerational church that has moments like this, be here. Keep showing up and experience this. But Anna, she wasn't led there by a promise. She wasn't even led there by things she had to do because of the law. She was led there by godly practices, Her daily rhythm of worshiping and fasting and praying brought her to this moment. And what we see is that God is orchestrated from his law. God is orchestrated from his promise. God is orchestrated from Christian practices, bringing all of them to who? Jesus. That's the whole point of all of it. They brings them to a moment that they get clarity about who Jesus really is. If you've ever wondered about the point of prioritizing, like Christians, why do we prioritize godly living above the way the world says to prioritize our lives? Why do Christians make such a big deal about the promises in this book? Why do Christians have all these spiritual practices of reading their Bible and prayer and going to church and disciple making? Why why do we do all of that? Those actions are not the gift. Those are the things that lead us to the gift. 
I practice these spiritual disciplines because they bring clarity on who Jesus is. I hold on to the promises all throughout the Bible because it brings clarity on who Jesus is. We prioritize things in our home towards godliness because it brings us clarity on who Jesus is. The point is that it leads us to Jesus. He is the source of our salvation. That's not the only thing that gets us there. Maybe you hear this and you're like, Cody, I don't have any spiritual disciplines. I don't have, I wouldn't call my priorities godly. Um, and, I, and I don't even know the promises. Like, I, I mean, I can imagine some of them. I've heard some Christian songs, but I really don't know them. There's something else that God uses to bring us to Jesus. And do you see it mentioned at the end of verse 38? Anna talks to everybody who was waiting for the redemption of Israel. It appears that there was a lot of people that were waiting for God to keep his word. You go back and look at the description of Simeon. It says he was righteous and devout, but I'm sure there was lots of righteous and devout people who didn't get this experience. Why him? I think it might have been because he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Imagine if somebody identified you by what they think you're waiting for. Simeon was identified as the person who was waiting for the comfort of Israel. Anna knew the people that were waiting for the redemption of Israel. These are people waiting for God. They realized that the longings they feel would only be satisfied by God. And God used the pain of waiting to draw them to Jesus. And maybe that's more of your story. Maybe your story is that you feel the pain of waiting, the pain of bitterness, to go away. You're waiting to be comforted from your loss. You're waiting for God to keep his word. You're waiting for the things you've told, been told you can find in the Christian life and you haven't felt it yet. Maybe you're still waiting. Don't let the delay of the promise distract you from the faithful savior we have. Because Simeon waited day after day. He went through his day and he went to bed that night and he said it wasn't today. And he went through his next day and he went to bed that night and said it wasn't today but he never stopped believing the promise and following the spirit. Anna woke up every day in her new reality and she went and worshiped the Lord. Don't let a delayed promise keep you from believing God is gonna make good on his word because he will and he does. They know every longing leads to Jesus and that's what makes this moment so powerful. All of them converge. Here comes Mary and Joseph walking up carrying a baby, and here comes Simeon at the same time. And, and I just have to imagine the scene. I was talking with Cody last week, um, and I have a friend named Cody. He's my barber. I'm not doing a weird third-person thing, all right? And so, was, uh, but, but he started coming to our church, and he was like, hey, I'm reading ahead. And he's like, I can't wait to hear about this Simeon guy. Can you, he's like, how do you even know it was Jesus? Like, he's just there. Would you, and he, ha he has a great point. Simeon walks up, and despite Renaissance paintings, Jesus was not an infant with like a halo around his head everywhere he went. He was just a baby. And here comes Mary and Joseph with a baby in their arms, and suddenly Simeon sees him and goes up and just scoops up Jesus. And I know what this, I, I can relate to this feeling. It happened to me in Walmart one time. True, true story, I'm a newborn dad. I walk in with Charlotte and she's just a sweet thing and I'm, I'm going in there and, and here's this lady. She just hones in on me and she goes, oh, and I'm like, she's coming for my baby. I don't, I don't know, I'm new at this. I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do. I can probably outrun her. 
Um, and, so, and, she, and she gets closer, and I'm like, what? I think she wants to hold my child. And, uh, and then I have the, you know, just for a split second. I mean, this happened to Jesus. I don't like, am I, and about that time, she started making cat noises at her, and I was like, nope. Uh, this, this is not the Lord. This is, um, and so, uh, and, hey, and listen, and by the way, if that's you, if you appreciate seeing newborn life out in public from somebody you don't know, um, do it from a distance. Let me just, like, let's just take a step back and appreciate them from here, okay? Um, so, but, but I have that, like that startling feeling. I can relate to what Mary and Joseph, I imagine, went through. As here comes this person they don't know and suddenly scoops up their child. Except he's not looking at the face of a baby. He's looking at the face of his Savior. He's looking at the face of God's promise in real life. Everything God had said to his people Israel throughout human history and to him through the Spirit, it was true. And he knew it. And he holds the Savior of the world in his arms, receiving the gift of Jesus. Yes, Jesus arrived. That is great news. That is necessary news. But it's news you individually have to receive or you'll miss it. Simeon receives the gift of Jesus. And he says, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He saw Jesus for everything that he was. There's nothing more important in life. Your spiritual practices, the promises of God, godly priorities, the pain of waiting, all of it leads to a point that you have to decide if you believe Jesus is who he says he is. And that is the determining factor for the outcome of your life, who Jesus is. And he's right. Once you realize Jesus fulfills every longing, once you realize Jesus is salvation, Salvation is not what happens because you say a prayer. Salvation is not what happens because you go to church. Salvation is not accomplished by any other means. Salvation is a person. I have seen salvation. It is Jesus. This child who would grow, who'd be crucified on a cross, buried, rise again, and ascend to heaven. He is salvation. When I die, I will look to him and say, he covered my sins in his death. All of my hope is in him. He is salvation. And he is light. He is peace. I love that it describes him as revelation to the Gentiles. This was breaking news, by the way. Because for Israelites, there was the Israelites and Gentiles. Gentiles were everybody else. And Simeon scoops up Jesus and says, not only is he salvation for me, he is light for all the Gentiles, for everybody. And he's glory, another, another kind of light for Israel. For Israel, he was their greatest glory. The God's saving work for all humankind came from them. That's their glory. And for the rest of us, for people that didn't even know they needed saved by God, Jesus came for them. The story of Jesus tells you, you need saved by God from the wrath of God for our sins and he's made a way in Jesus. This is great news. And this is why there's a celebration. This is why Anna's telling everybody he's here. 
She sees this interaction between Simeon and this child, and she goes to everyone, you've been waiting. The good news is here. You've been waiting. God kept his word. She's so excited. This is what Christmas looks like, receiving the gift of Jesus. But not everybody loves the light. Jesus is the light of the world, but not everybody loves it. Jesus himself shows us this in John 3, whenever he's talking to Nicodemus. Kids, maybe you guys know this verse. Does anybody know John 3.16 in here? Okay. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. goes on to say, For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn it, but in order that through him it might be saved. So whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe... They're condemned already because they've not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is the judgment. How do you know if you've received the gift of Jesus or not? This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. It has arrived. We celebrate that every Christmas. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Everyone who does wicked things, they hate the light. And they do not come to the light lest their works will be exposed. Whoever does what is true, they come to the light, that it may clearly be seen that their works have been carried out in God. Jesus shows us the light is here. That's the gift. Not everyone's going to receive it. That's what Simeon prophesies ahead of time. Right after the statement of who Jesus is, the father and mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And he looks at Mary and says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon, when he's describing who Jesus is, says he's the light of the world, but light is confrontational. The light that we're going to celebrate, not everybody wants to receive it. Specifically in Israel, the ones that were expecting the light, some of them were going to make a target out of Jesus. Why? Because he was revealing the thoughts of their heart, is what it says. When you are confronted with Jesus, he reveals what's already inside of you. That's what's happening today. When you're confronted with Jesus, he's revealing your heart. And you will either love the light or you will hate it. There's no indifference. And so today, these next few moments, we're going to take these candles. And we're going to stand a little bit later. We're going to sing Silent Night. And we're going to reflect on our position to the light. Now, don't miss this. The light has come into the world. That is truth. Have you received it? Because as you light this candle and you stand and sing, I hope that you would reflect on the moment that the light broke through the darkness and arrived, not just in human history, but in your own soul. Even as you light this and stand, maybe you can reflect on the moment that you know you received Jesus. When you were confronted by the fact that you're a sinner that needs a savior and you say, I know I gave my life to him. And so this moment should be joy filled for you as you sing that God has broken into your life and changed everything the way Simeon has received him. But there is a decision to make. There, there will be some of you who you don't love the light. You love your life the way it is. 
You hate the fact that you feel like Jesus is imposing himself on you or wants something different from you and, you, and you're missing it. And I can relate to Mary in this. It says they wondered, they marveled at what Simeon said. Why? It's amazing whenever you see somebody see Jesus. When you know someone and you go, wait, they're talking about Jesus, they get it. He's their savior, he is their friend, he's their redeemer. Oh, it's, you marvel when the light lights up someone's life, your spouse, a child, a neighbor, it's beautiful. But it feels like a sword through your soul when you know the light has been presented to someone and they just don't want it. It's heartbreaking. If that's been you to this point, if you've just not wanted the light of Christ in your life, I would, I would plead with you, step into the light. Receive the gift of Jesus. Acknowledge that it is not an offense to you. It is an embrace of you to leave sin, leave hatred, leave bitterness, leave everything in the darkness behind and belong to God because of the work of Jesus. I would invite you to make that decision. That's a decision you make in your soul to choose to believe and surrender to the light. If you do that today during this time of reflection, please don't leave before coming back to these double doors and talking with one of our staff. We want to tell you about the next steps of being a Christian. And for those of you that have done that, I pray that this, these next few moments are so enjoyable as you reflect on the moment that the light of the world broke into your soul. Would you stand with me, candle in hand, heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we pray that you would meet us in this moment. I thank you for the beautiful sound of families who made today happen. The ones who are introducing their children to the light of the world. The legacy of families that are here three and four generations deep. God, I thank you for the individuals that came on their own by themselves to be with a family of believers and that we get to stand shoulder to shoulder with them as brothers and sisters celebrating that the light of the world is broken to their life just like it has to ours. Lord, these next few moments are for you. For those who love the light, may this be a wonderful time of worship as we remember your kindness towards us. And for those who've opposed it to this moment, God, would you break through their darkness and let them surrender to you. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. We hope that you've been encouraged and challenged to take steps closer to Jesus. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, share with your friends. It really does make a difference. And lastly, make sure to follow us on all of our social media at FBC Jinx to keep up with all that's going on in the life of our church. Again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.